Let us pray. Gardening God, may you so plant your word in our hearts that the kingdom of God may spring forth and sprout in us and we would be good soil. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. There are some details in our scripture lesson today that might cause the gardeners among us some amusement. I'm thinking especially of the garden tour last week that I didn't have the pleasure of accompanying, but uh, Nancy and Ted took us out during coffee hour on Zoom and showed anyone who was there to see various plots around the church and how the gardens are growing. And I highly doubt that there was any stop during that tour to look at the parking lot. And I highly doubt that Nancy would have said something like, here's a spot right here in the parking lot where we just scattered some seeds to see what would happen. But you know, we think that maybe the birds came and got into them and then some skater kids came and popped some heel flips over them. And then, you know, ah, uh, Sherry, she was driving home from work and our parking lot's a little tight and she did a, a bit of a three-point turn right here. And so we don't really think these seeds are going to amount to much, but we wanted to see what would happen. I don't think that any such stop was likely on the tour last week, but I, I could be wrong. But such a stop does seem to be on the garden tour that Jesus provides us this week. And I don't think that the point of Jesus' parable is for us to extract gardening techniques or to certainly learn anything that might land on the pages of Better Homes and Gardens. But we'd miss the point if we look too hard for a horticultural sense in the actions of this most profligate seed sower in Jesus' parable. This parable is special because it's one of the few in the Gospels where Jesus attaches onto it a direct interpretation of his own to guide us who read and who hear this parable afterwards. And Jesus explains that the seed sown is the message of the kingdom of God and the different kinds of soil upon which the seed lands, those are the differing responses to the message. And for some, the message of the kingdom of God doesn't even stick. For distractions, scroll down their attention feed and displace the message, just like birds gobbling up seeds. And for others, the kingdom of God is received with joy at the beginning, but as long as things are well and happy, it continues to grow, but when trouble comes, the seed withers quickly away. And for others, the cares and concerns of having and keeping wealth and the burdens of maintaining property, and the concerns about keeping up social image and status, all these choke out the oxygen from the kingdom of God. 
And then for some, for the good soil, the kingdom of God does yield a rich harvest. The playfulness in the imagery of the birds coming down and gobbling up the seeds and the, the weeds choking out the, 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 the plant that rises up from the ground, there's a playfulness in the imagery, but it belies the sobering effect of the comparison it asks of us who hear it. The sobering effect of self-criticism, of taking an inventory, of asking ourselves, so am I too choked with weeds? Am I the withering one? Or am I the good soil? And if so, how would I know? It doesn't take much for any of us to reflect on these questions and to begin to feel uneasy, to feel cast into a place of judgment. But what does Jesus mean by the good soil and by the yield that it brings? To answer that question, we have to look at the context of where this parable comes from, which is the Gospel of Matthew. And the Gospel of Matthew is replete with stories and images that drive home the message that the kingdom of God is shown in words and in deeds. Jesus says in Matthew, the good tree bears good fruit and the bad tree bears bad fruit. And we have the parable of the sheep and the goats, where the sheep who are welcomed into the kingdom of heaven are those who showed mercy to the poor, who clothed the naked, who visited the prisoners, who gave food to the hungry, and so in their actions displayed the kingdom of God. And the goats, the goats are those who did not. And these messages, these messages are judgmental and direct and focused on the deeds of those who follow Jesus. And so what are we to make of this? And how hard are we to apply it to ourselves? One thing I think we can say is that the church that follows Jesus, the church that prays for help and for guidance, who worships the God revealed in Jesus, and who calls out to that God for help when we feel that we are sinking, what it means for us to be that church is that we are not free from coming under scrutiny or from criticism. We're not to be shielded from judgment. And if that's a hard lesson, I think the good news there, the good news is that judgment allows for growth and for maturity. After all, the Gospel of Matthew doesn't sponsor the kind of image of the church where we would be a sect where everything we said and did would automatically be correct because of we were on belonging to the side of God. We're not the kind of church where our mistakes cannot be reproached, whose sincerity and whose commitment of faith would never be tested, and for whom nothing ever would be asked beyond what we already had or did. No, the good news in the parable of the sower and the seeds and of the the sheep and the goats, in all these parables of judgment, it's the fact that the word of God comes to us to our own address 
into our own lives and hearts as human beings and there faces us in our truth, including the humbling truth, the critical truth, the truth that shows us we are human, we are of the humus, we are of the soil. And exposed there, we may not feel ourselves to be good. But it's only in that exposure, in that risk of facing that confrontation that we can grow as human beings into maturity. So if the parables of the good soil leaves us uneasy, asking the question, are we, are you, am I good soil, and leaves us wrestling with that truth before God, the parable also doesn't leave us alone with our conscience, alone in the echo chambers of our own minds to think through this question and to come up with a grim sense of pessimism or responsibility. No, because as I mentioned at the opening in the introduction to the scripture, the first and the last word of this parable is here. The word at the beginning and the end is listen. Listen to Jesus. Hear what's on the outside, what's coming from God into your life. Hear the invitation of Jesus to follow him up from the midst of the soil where you are, that is your own life. And whenever we would hold ourselves back because what we know, we feel is not good, Jesus is there to say, listen, for there's more. For from the God who created this earth and called it good came the sower who is Jesus, who came to sow redemption into this world into the soil of this earth. And the power of death, the power of judgment, the power of doubt cannot stop the spirit of life that is at work through Christ Jesus in you. You are good soil by the judgment of God. Hear that. Listen to that, O church. Even as we ask the question, what are we doing? for the kingdom of God. And so our parable holds that tension. It confronts us with the question, am I the good soil? Or am I withering? Or am I choked up with weeds? But it also directs us to that hearing, that listening, that receiving the assurance that Jesus is not finished with the redemptive gardening work of God turning over the soil in us. And if we hold both those things together, the critical question and the hopeful attitude of listening, then we can be open to truly what God is doing through us and what the opportunities are that are at our side. I don't think the emphasis from this parable of the good soil comes up to land on how much we have not done, but rather how much is still possible through the Spirit of God at work sowing seeds in us. For that is what is mature, is a mature humus, a mature 
human being that is true and honest and open to the possibilities that God has for us. And those possibilities are here with us even in a time of pandemic, even when the church is closed, even when we are at home, even when we are in quarantine, even when we are meeting on Zoom. Just look at the week of Vacation Bible, of vacation Bible School and the great creativity and adaptation and flexibility of the staff, the volunteers, the parents, the children who participated fully online and fully at home. And yet, how many seeds of compassion, how many seeds of faith, how many seeds that will bring forth the kingdom of God were sown, even in spite of all the adaptation that had to happen in our new circumstances online? How much is possible for us as adults, no matter what age we are? How much is possible through still meeting with each other through the formats and means that we have? I was so inspired a couple weeks ago when I talked with Clara Hughes about what has been possible when congregations work together and listen to one another through the network of DuPage United. Because we, as, our, as Christians and as members of congregations, bring to those meetings our compassion, our values, our concerns for the vulnerable in our country, our community, our service to the kingdom of God. And through identifying and focusing on issues, through listening to one another, something emerges that can be acted upon, that can germinate in a collective response. And so Clara told me about how mental illness and compassion for those who do not have services when they are in crisis was identified as an issue. And as congregations talk to one another about it in meetings held through DuPage United, a pathway for action was found and a meeting with the governor was achieved and a change in policy was actualized so that crisis stabilization units again became possible and open in DuPage County. This is the kingdom of God at work through us. And of course, the kingdom of God is the gospel. It is the message of God's faithfulness and God's redemption. And it is performed. It is lived. It is enacted through deeds of mercy and compassion and service. And that includes planning together, meeting together, deliberating together in platforms that are still possible on Zoom, like in our social justice discussion group that our church holds monthly, and in our social service and justice committee of our church. The possibilities for involvement are still there. Even when we are sequestered in our homes, the possibilities of reaching out and offering encouragement, the possibilities of gathering for prayer, the possibilities of listening together for what God is turning over in our lives so that we do not lose heart or lose hope.
Jesus is sowing the seeds of the kingdom into our lives, and our faith rests on the bedrock of God's commitment to this earth. And may the Spirit bring the harvest that no weeds can choke out, and no sun can wither, and no birds can take away the Spirit of life at work in you, through you, bringing forth the kingdom. Listen, hear, receive, O church. Amen.